The Craig Fawley Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Lynette's Shrimp House, located in Highland Park. It's Metro Detroit's premier destination, serving juicy fried shrimp, fish, and wings, alongside soul food sides and new additions to the menu, like turkey tacos and desserts. Located at 13548 Woodward in Highland Park, just north of the Davison, Lynette's is open for takeaway, noon to 8, Tuesday and Thursday, noon to 10 p.m., Friday and Saturday, and noon to 5 p.m. on Sunday. Call now, get some Lynette's. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. So glad to have you with me today. And if you're like me, you woke up, maybe went outside this morning, saw some frost on the windshield of the car, felt the chill of the fall air out there, and recognized that winter is on its way. And if you're like me, maybe you get a chance to work from home these days. Well, why not consider doing it in some place that's a little bit more tropical? Puerto Rico is doing a lot of outreach these days, trying to get people like myself and maybe like you to consider working remotely from Puerto Rico, encouraging business investment in that uh, territory of the United States. There's a lot of things going for Puerto Rico. It is, of course, a U.S. territory. You don't need a passport to get there. And if you've never been, and I have yet to get there, uh, I do understand it's got pretty fabulous beaches and some good tourism opportunities. But apparently the business is starting to boom there as well. Most of us only know Puerto Rico from what we see in the news, whether it is the president tossing some uh, paper towels to people who are suffering in the, in the wake of a hurricane, uh, to an earthquake that's taken place. But in reality, there are a lot of things happening in the territory. And another thing that's going on, residents there did vote the other day once again in, uh, in favor of a referendum to become a U.S. state. And there have been some rumblings that adding uh, Puerto Rico as the 51st state is something that we might want to consider going forward. Now, whether or not that happens, Puerto Rico is an interesting place. And I had a chance to, to uh, talk a little bit more about it. And, and it's something that I've been thinking about. And I got an email the other day uh, from a friend of mine in the PR world uh, who said, hey, uh, Rod Miller, who used to be the head of the DEGC, is now running a group called Invest Puerto Rico. Would you like to talk to him about what's going on down there? And I said, well, of course I would. He spent some time in New Orleans before he came to Detroit. And now he's in Puerto Rico trying to get investment and economic development happening in another challenged economy. He joins me right now to talk a little bit more about it. Again, Rod Miller is the executive director of Invest Puerto Rico. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. Good. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so glad to be here and uh, reconnect with uh, my old town of Detroit. Well, exactly. And it's good to hear from you. And, uh, you know, we knew after you left the DEGC that you're going to be doing some interesting things. But, you know, you've gone from one challenging job to another. You, you were in New Orleans uh, trying to work on economic development issues there. Of course, then you were in Detroit. Uh, tried the private sector for a little bit, but now invest Puerto Rico. Um, and, and so Puerto Rico has got a lot going for it, but it's not an easy situation down there at all. All most people know about Puerto Rico, frankly, is that it sits in the, you know, in the path of hurricanes every once in a while. Uh, but there's a lot more happening there than I think people realize. Puerto Rico has been absolutely a fascinating place. I would argue that it's probably one of the most interesting, uh, if not the most interesting economy in the Americas right now. Uh, when you look at the fact that it's positioned kind of halfway between, you know, the Americas, Europe and Africa. So from a strategic location perspective, you've got access to the, to the entire world. Um, they had the most aggressive incentives for economic development of any place that I know of in the United States. Um, and, uh, and then you've got uh, 
not just great beaches, but you've also got a great business and, and environment. And I would I would argue that Puerto Rico really is of, uh, of economic opportunity, and, and we're seeing a lot of that in our work in terms of the diversity of the types of companies that are coming to us and the types of people that are choosing to make uh, Puerto Rico home. Well, and it seems like, uh, you know, people don't realize it's it, geographically speaking, it's not that big. It's about the size of Delaware, I suppose, I think is something I've seen it compared to. Uh, but GDP wise, it would be right smack dab in the middle of, of the states when it comes to how much it's already producing economically. Um, and with a little push, it certainly seems as if it could be moved up into that upper tier pretty quickly. I'd like to think so. I mean, one of the things is we've got the largest um, bio, uh, bio and uh, medical device sector in the United States. We do somewhere between 13 and 14 billion in exports in, in pharma and medical device uh, on an annual basis. Um, so that's a, a, a manufacturing is about 48% of our economy. And, uh, and then at follow after the pharma and medical device manufacturing, we've also got a lot of aerospace engineering uh, that's happening happening in aerospace companies that are here. So we've got a very, very strong uh, manufacturing sector. As a matter of fact, uh, Puerto Rico is sixth, uh, uh, sixth in the world in terms of concentration of STEM graduates. You know, you meet, you throw a book out a window, you're going to hit somebody that's an engineer. And, and so those sorts of things have really been driving uh, a very uh, interesting uh, body of companies to actually invest in Puerto Rico. So uh, I think the, the biggest challenge that Puerto Rico, I think, has had has not been the uh, uh, hurricanes or the earthquake, I think the biggest challenge is perception. Uh, I would argue that Puerto Rico is actually in a, in a good posture, uh, not only to pivot, but to grow. And, uh, and so that's what we're, we're diligently working towards. I mean, some of the, the things that I think are interesting are, are our remote working program. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are coming to Puerto Rico because they are saying, you know what, I'm going to be working remotely for a while. And while all the Caribbean has great beaches, we've got great beaches, but we've also got great business and great connectivity to the U.S. So that's one of the big things we're seeing. Uh, another one of the big things that I think that we're seeing that's, that's really, really interesting is we're seeing a lot of technology companies um, that are coming to Puerto Rico and also a lot of crypto and financial services companies coming to Puerto Rico. And they're really being driven by the fact that we've got some very aggressive incentives and they don't have any issues in recruiting top talent to come work for them. So those are some of the things that are that that's really making Puerto Rico pop right now. Well, I mean, Puerto Rico is, is a fascinating story. And, and one of the things I, I was mentioning before we started this interview that I was watching pretty closely was the statewide uh, or the state referendum uh, that went there. It, it passed again in Puerto Rico. There has been some discussion as to whether or not the United States would ad admit another state. And I want to get from your perspective, based on the research that you've done and looked at, what kind of a boost would that give to Puerto Rico if they were to achieve U.S. statehood status? Um, you know, because it, it seems to me that there would be a lot less apprehension to think about relocating in Puerto Rico if indeed it had the full rights of statehood. You know, uh, so I'm going to I'm going to give you an answer that's a non-answer, but 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 <laughs> hopefully you'll get what you need out of it. I mean, part of the reality of statehood has always been very politically charged, and most of the time when those referenda come out, it tends to be about. 44, 43% support, similar amount that don't, that support leaving things the same, and then probably five, 6% that actually want kind of full autonomy. Uh, and, and so that, here that is a, a fractious issue, but I, I will say that, you know, the, the, the reality of it is that uh, Puerto Rico, more than anything else, wants to be and wants to be treated like part of the United States, whether that's through statehood or whether that's in the current uh, structure that we have. I mean, Puerto Rico has the highest level of military service of any group uh, in the United States, uh, uh, Puerto Ricans do. Uh, additionally, when you look at Puerto Rico, um, 
people here, you know, it's a bilingual island. Everybody knows that Spanish is spoken, but probably half of the population or more speaks English uh, nearly perfectly as well. And, and Puerto Ricans are patriots. So I think, you know, whether Puerto Rico becomes a state or not is, is, a, is a big question. But I do think the, the, the veracity of Puerto Rico as part of the United States and being able to be plugged in and viewed um, by uh, other members of the, of the U.S. as, as part of the, of the family, I think is very, very important. And I think we've got some work to do in terms of building those relationships and making sure that the, that, that understanding that Puerto Rico is part of the U.S. is, is, uh, is, is more broadly understood. Well, you know, strangely enough, I mean, hurricanes are horrible things, especially when they do the type of damage that uh, the last one did to Puerto Rico. But it did open a lot of people's eyes in the United States to the fact that this is part of the United States, uh, that we have a responsibility in this country to make sure that the aid that is needed is given in a timely fashion and that they get the exact same type of response that any state in the union would get. Uh, has there been any sort of positive momentum that's come out of that experience and some of the criticism that went into how the U.S. government responded? to Puerto Rico at the time. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's been, the, you know, the, the hurricanes happened in 2017, Hurricanes uh, Maria and Irma. And then, of course, earlier this year, you know, it seems like uh, five years ago, as long as 2020 has been. Yeah. But earlier this year, of course, and late last year, we had the earthquakes that were also very devastating. Um, so you've got hurricanes and earthquakes, you know, which have created some challenges. Um, but the, the, the positive things, if, if there are, that have come out of them, there was $13 billion committed just uh, uh, about a month ago from the federal government to rebuild the electric, uh, electrical electricity infrastructure here on the island, uh, as well as to redo uh, the public education system. Um, so I think that's definitely a positive uh, movement. Another thing that's very positive on the federal side is that there are billions of dollars that have also been committed to rebuilding other infrastructure, um, you know, public use infrastructure in terms of transportation and, and other things on the island. I would say that's probably the most important thing is because Puerto Rico is a beautiful place, but the need and the bounds of the infrastructure are good, but the need for reinvestment is very high. The second thing, and, and, and by the way, I, I say storm both figuratively as well as, you know, actually the storm in terms of Hurricane Maria, but also the fiscal crisis, is that it really ushered in a new opportunity and uh, a new opportunity for the island to hit a hard reset and restructure not only its debt, but also restructure its institutions. So the organization that I lead here, lead here in Best Puerto Rico, is something that's come out of that innovation. I mean, in Best Puerto Rico, we are a nonprofit organization, but we service the government in the island of Puerto Rico. We've got our sister agency, Discover Puerto Rico, which is doing the same thing on the tourism front. And so this idea of strong institutions with autonomy and with continuity over multiple political administrations is also something that's relatively new in Puerto Rico. And then the last thing that I'll mention is that companies, we've had thousands of companies come to Puerto Rico in the last four or five years. And I think the reason why these companies have come is because, for a few reasons, one is because they realized they came and checked it out and realized that there's a burgeoning ecosystem around entrepreneurship and innovation. And that burgeoning ecosystem has, it's much easier to, and as difficult as, as things are to get done, or uh, it's much easier in many respects to connect to the people that they need to connect to on the island of Puerto Rico. So we've had thousands of companies come over the last four or five years and set up shop here. And all of this is, you know, partially due to the eye that was given to Puerto Rico as a result of the storm happening. And I should remind folks, my guest right now is Rod Miller. He is the head of Invest Puerto Rico. He used to be the head of the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation. Uh, he and I uh, dovetail our time at the, at the city of Detroit uh, in 
uh, working there and uh, crossed paths in the Guardian building many times, I'm sure. Uh, but, but, Rod, I have to ask you this. I mean, because Puerto Rico does have some of the same problems that the cities you've worked in before have had. In New Orleans, Detroit, population is shrinking. Uh, you've got unemployment that's higher than the surrounding area. Uh, and, and these are big challenges to companies and, and governments that are trying to encourage investment. Uh, what's it going to take to sort of slow that curve, especially when it comes to population? Is it simply a, a job availability issue that is driving a lot of that? There are a couple of things that, that are driving it. And we talked a little bit earlier about the reality that Puerto Ricans are American citizens. And what yeah. happens is, unfortunately, many times businesses want to come to Puerto Rico and take advantage of the great workforce, bilingual, well-educated workforce that Puerto Rico has, but offer wages that are not competitive. They are, a lot of times they want to come to Puerto Rico and offer wages that they would offer in the Dominican Republic or Jamaica or in Mexico. And Puerto Rico is part of the United States. And as such, qualified, talented people, they have the option that all I have to do is to go, you know, a couple of hours away to Miami or Atlanta and I can get a, you know, a 30% salary bump, I'm going to do it. And so that, I think that's part of the issue is this recognition that Puerto Rico is not a developing nation. It's not something separate from the U.S. It is part of the U.S. And as such, companies should, should uh, engage in a fashion that shows that they really want value the workforce that they're going to get, they can get here. Um, that's one of the things that I think reasons why people have left. I think one of the other realities of why people have left is that it is an island, and sometimes the the idea of being connected globally is not as strong as it would be for emerging professionals in other markets where they feel maybe more connected to other things. That said, there are a few things that we're doing because we our population has dropped from 3.8 million people 10 years ago to about 3.2 million people now. Um, and, and we know that talent is the number one driver of investment decisions by companies. So with that, we've got to really address that issue. And so there are a few pieces of that issue that we're addressing directly. One is that we've launched a remote working program. And this remote working program is basically people can, if you can work for anywhere, why wouldn't you want to work from Puerto Rico? And so we've uh, <laughs> done- As I'm sitting in my basement while we're talking, yes, I understand. <laughs> so we've been very aggressive in sharing the values and the opportunity that Puerto Rico re represents as a remote working population. And that's gotten a lot of traction. The other thing that's gotten a lot of traction, and I wouldn't say my organization has driven this, but even but I've watched it really intently, that we've noticed a lot of uh, African-Americans that are uh, moving to Puerto Rico because of a lot of the issues related to race relations and, and, and social situations in the United States that they feel more welcomed here. And so I'm a part of two, at least two or three groups of African-American executives and, and, and families and others that have moved to Puerto Rico because of the quality of lifestyle. Uh, and I think we're going to see more opportunities to attract, um, uh, in particular, African-Americans as well as uh, Latinos that are trying to do something a little bit different, want to be in a different kind of place, a different kind of space. I think Puerto Rico offers that. And then I think the last uh, element that's that's really, really big a part of, 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 this, uh, of this Puerto Rico kind of population stabilization and growth is that when I took this job uh, about two years ago, I was blown away at the number of Puerto Ricans that were in senior executive positions in major corporations around the globe. I was contacted by people as far away as Thailand and India uh, who are of Puerto Rican descent, as well as, of course, uh, places like Iowa, <laughs> as well as your Chicago, Detroit. And so the Puerto Rican diaspora, part of, I think, our strategy has to be, you know, how do we actually start to get the Puerto Rican diaspora to discover rein, uh, reinvestment in the island? Much of the growth that's happened over the last two or three years, though, has been really driven by uh, private equity and, and, and venture capitals, uh, folks that have come here because of the incentives and tax breaks that are available. Uh, and a good bit of it has been driven also by startup uh, uh, technology firms. 
Well, you know, I mean, Puerto Rico, its location is something that that is uh, an asset as well. When you look at, I mean, proximity to South America, proximity to North America. Uh, again, as you mentioned, you're you're an hour uh, hour ahead of us time wise, so you're a little bit closer to the European markets, and therefore, I mean, you know, is there a possibility that that you know some of the financial industry starts taking uh, more of an interest in in Puerto Rico just for some of those reasons? Um, and again, logistically speaking, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, so the, so the financial services sector is a big part of, of our strategy. We've got something called the IFE, the International Financial Entity, uh, a, a, a part of our tax code, which provides some incredibly aggressive incentives. And so um, we work in partnership with primarily two groups on uh, promoting the financial sector opportunities here. One is called PRIBA, the Puerto Rico International Banking Association, and the other is PRIA, the Puerto Rico International Insurance Association. And we work closely with them, and they've brought hundreds of employees here in the last few years uh, in terms of uh, through the companies that have come here because of not only our market proximity to, to Europe and, and South America, um, but also because of uh, the fact that our incentives are so aggressive and it makes it it makes a it makes the business case a, a easier in terms of showing the IRR that's that's needed. Um, so that financial services sector is big. The pharma sector is huge. Of course, with COVID, I mean, initially we didn't have pharma as one of our targeted sector because even though it's a big part of the island's economy, we didn't see a trend of uh, pharma coming back from China. And COVID basically threw us right into the middle of that. So we worked with. Uh, the 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 White House and and the the administration to figure out can could Puerto Rico be the solution for the COVID vaccine in terms of distribution on a global scale? We've got experience not only in the pharma sector and medical device sector. We've also got extensive experience managing uh, what we would call highly sensitive and valuable materials. I mean, the COVID vaccine, the first iteration of it, has to be stored at negative eighty degrees. Yeah, so that okay. kind of stuff. So Puerto Rico's well positioned both in terms of financial services, but I'd also say in terms of pharma. Well, well, Rod, I've kept you for a long time, but I do want to ask you this question. I mean, you know, obviously. Weather-wise, geography-wise, Detroit and uh, Puerto Rico couldn't be that uh, that close, but that's similar. However, uh, there have got to be some similarities between trying to do business here and generate business in Detroit and trying to generate business there. What what lessons have you taken from your time in Detroit that you've been able to apply in Puerto Rico? Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that I found is that markets that are undervalued and underestimated are, are oftentimes the places that have the most not only just the most potential, but have the biggest opportunity to lead in the next iteration of where the global economy is going. I mean, economists kind of worldwide agree that we're on the cusp of a new economy that's going to be led by AI, different technologies, et cetera, et cetera. And that, and that the companies or the markets that are going to best be poised to, to, to compete are going to be those that recognize these things early and start to make those transitions. And I think both in Puerto Rico as well as in Detroit, there is a recognition that, hey, the world is changing and we need to do business differently than we've done it historically. And I think that's one of the biggest things in common. The other is that, you know, the children will lead you. And, and, and I say that kind of uh, with, with tongue in cheek, but I'm seeing a lot of young entrepreneurs under the age of 30 here in Puerto Rico, saw a lot of those in, in, in Detroit, and they, they come with a level of optimism, a level of energy and, and brilliance that I think is absolutely essential to the long-term uh, growth of, of both of those markets. And then I think the last thing that I would say is that at the end of the day, whether it's Puerto Rico, whether it's Detroit, whether it's New Orleans or other places that I've been, People are people and people want dignity, they want self-respect, and they want an opportunity to show uh, the world what they can do. And I think uh, uh, in, in Detroit, we saw it, you know, the, the, the energy 
that the city had to come together to get quality city services, to figure out how do they reposition the city in the global economy. And we see it build that same kind of energy here in Puerto Rico. And so that's probably one of the biggest things that I say that, that both the markets have in, in common. And I, I just say that I'm very honored to have had the opportunity to lead the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation for the two and a half years that I was there. And, uh, and I'm loving this uh, journey of leading Invest uh, Puerto Rico now. Well, we know that you're certainly loving it this time of year as the weather's about to change for the worse up here. Uh-huh. But uh, and, and Puerto Rico will be its nice 80 degrees south all winter long, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, 70 to 85 degrees all year round and, uh, and it works for me. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it right there. Rod Miller, of course, is the head of Invest Puerto Rico, former head of the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation and uh, a friend. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to see you again. Thank you. Check out our website, www.investpr.org. Thanks so much. Our thanks to Rod Miller for taking time out of his uh, lovely weather day down there in Puerto Rico to talk to us up here in the city of Detroit. It's great to hear that uh, they're doing some interesting things down there. Hey, a quick reminder, if you like what you hear on this program, subscribe to it, share it with your friends, rate it, all that good stuff. It helps, helps get the numbers up where we need them to be to make us attractive to sponsors, things like that. I I don't want to make anybody else be responsible for funding this program. Um, Don't want to do any sort of Kickstarters or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, So the more audience we get, the better and more attractive we get to them. So. I appreciate it. Speaking of sponsors, Lynette Shrimp House on Woodward in Highland Park, just north of the Davison there. It's on the east side of the street. Fantastic shrimp. Oh, man, is this stuff good? Also, great wings and ribs and everything else that you like from a place like that. It is good. Takeout only. And again, Lynette Shrimp House, you can find it online and order online now as well, which is very cool. So thanks to them for supporting the program. Also, a reminder, tomorrow, tomorrow's Friday, which means the week that was. And we've got a doozy of a show coming up tomorrow. All sorts of stuff going on that we're going to get into. You know, will this race be conceded anytime soon? Who knows? These legal challenges don't seem to be going anywhere, but do they represent any kind of a threat to a Biden presidency? Do they represent any sort of a problem for our democracy? Lots of stuff to get into. Plus, of course, we'll have our Schmuck of the Week nominees, and they are plentiful this week. Uh, My guests are going to be uh, political consultant Joe DeSano and his wife, who is Susan Demas, She's the editor of the Michigan Advance, so a real power couple in Michigan politics here in the state. Susan has been a guest on my program a number of times talking about things that are happening in Lansing. And Joe's just somebody I've uh, talked to over the years and reporting and candidates that he's been representing and stuff like that. So it should be interesting to get their input. Uh, They're both pretty funny. So um, this is going to be some good, good stuff tomorrow on the week that was on Deadline Detroit. Don't forget, that goes on live at 1130-ish, ish on Facebook Live, on my page, on the Craig Folly Shows page, and it gets spread to a couple of other places as well. Also, you can watch it on YouTube at Deadline Detroit's YouTube channel. So look that up there, and you can see the video as it's happening live, or it'll be posted on DeadlineDetroit.com a little bit later on in the day if you can't join us live. And also, I make it available as a podcast as well. So combined, I'm getting lots of people watching this. Some watching it live because they want to comment and all that good stuff. But most people are downloading it later or watching it online, which is fine. I don't care which way you get it. Just check it out. And if you like it, again, share it. Let people know that we are out here doing this because that Friday show is a ton of fun. I love doing it. And, uh, you know, even if somebody... Uh, Even if I start doing something else at some point, I hope I can continue doing this because it is so much fun. Thank you, everybody. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you tomorrow.
The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership.